you'd want, you can go ahead and turn to uh, James. <clears throat> We're not going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, not going to start out there, uh, but the goal is to get there this morning. James chapter 4. <clears throat> now, this kind of goes along with uh, messages I pr- uh, shared a few weeks ago out of Ephesians 6.4 in regards to parenting. <clears throat> I was thinking about this. Of course, Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Some we could do, and kids, you can do this. I'm not a kid anymore, but I'm sure I did this. I know I did this. And can still, well, here's the reality. I can still, I'm still a child, right? (laughs) Um, I still have parents, and I could still do this. Uh, So adults, we can do this, and it happens oftentimes where we can excuse our behavior based on, well, my parents provoked me. You know, but they came short. They're falling short in these areas. You know, if they would change how they did this, then I wouldn't respond in this sinful way. Or I would respond in this right way if they would do this. And in reality... In all of these relationships, in Ephesians, starting in Ephesians 5, verse 22, going down uh, through chapter 6, verse 9, this is the case. It's the relationship, wives, husbands, parents, children, slaves, masters, we could say employees, employers. Our tendency can still be in the flesh to excuse our behavior based on well, look, God, you tell wives to submit themselves to their husbands. If my wife would only be more submissive, then I would be more kind. Then I would be more loving. Then I would do this. Wives, if my husbands were better leaders, then I would be more submissive. Parents, if my children only listened to what I say, then I wouldn't get angry. We already talked about kids already. If my employer would only respect and appreciate me more, then I would be a better worker. You know, if my employees would only be better workers, then I would treat them better. It goes on and on, doesn't it? In all these relationships, we can excuse our behavior and justify our behavior because of the other person. Well, they're not doing what God has called them to do and told them they're to be doing. So let me ask you a question. Why do you do what you do? Think about this week. Why do you do, why did you do what you did? Not just talking about getting up and going to the store, but in relationships. Anybody have any conflicts this week? No conflicts. Anybody? I had, yeah, a few hands are going up now. Any conflicts, any trials, no matter how great or how small. I mean, we all had them, didn't we? Could be, you know, a lot of times when we talk about conflicts and what brings out our just responses, negative responses, a lot of times we talk about traffic. 
but I don't think we can talk about that here in Kirksville. <laughs> We're getting traffic in the country, get stuck behind a tractor or a big truck or whatever. I mean, we get, get into some traffic, some big trials there. <clears throat> but why? Why did you respond the way that you responded? Why do you do what you do? Your brother or sister looks at you and you... Isn't that funny? Just this week I heard from one of our kids, or he made nameless, they're looking at me. <laughs> well, your husband makes a mess in your clean kitchen and you... I haven't experienced any of these things. These are just for example. <clears throat> your parents ask you to pick up your room and you... How do you respond? Your boss changes your schedule and you, well, why do you do what you do? We could read these commands that God God gives others and how they are to relate to us and justify our sinful behavior when they do not measure up. And there's encouragement in this. I don't want this just to be like, you know, getting on to us in a sense of changing our changing our behavior, the reality is that we're not controlled by the outside forces, circumstances, people. We're not controlled by those to where we have to act in a sinful way, where we have to be anxious, where we have to be angry, where we have to be um, whatever it might be, unkind, unloving. We're not controlled in Christ by any outward circumstances that have to act in a certain way. I was thinking of this. Your love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It doesn't say you have all these things when all your circumstances are right, does it? In Ephesians 5.22. It says these are the, this is the fruit of the Spirit in you. And that fruit isn't determined by our circumstances. It's determined by the life that's in us by the living God. Just watch the movie of Richard Wormbrand. You've heard his story. Many of you have seen the movie, new movie that was out about him. Um, when they were in jail, he said him and another, uh, a number of fellow believers in the jail had an agreement with the guards A number of us decided to pay the price for the privilege of preaching, so we accepted there the communist terms. It was a deal. We preached and they beat us. We were happy happy preaching. They were happy beating us, so everyone was happy. But you just see, I mean, there's this joy where his circumstances, I mean, this was 14, 15 years he was in prison. But the, the, the Lord sustaining him and the Lord even giving him joy in the midst of these trials. Well, two points here this morning. First, our obedience to God in any of these categories in Ephesians 5 and 6 is not dependent on the other party. Our obedience to God in any of these categories, husband, wife, parent, child, the slave master, employee, employer, is not dependent on the other party. And we see this throughout Scripture. 
and that God calls us to obedience no matter our outward circumstances. Just let me go through some scripture verses here in regards to this. Matthew 5, 43 and 44, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. For if you only love those who love you, what reward do you have? Romans 12, 14 and uh, 17, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. 1 Thessalonians 5, 15 through 16 says this, See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ. So let's ask the question, does this even apply in these relationships? Does it apply to wives, your husbands, uh, your husband? Husband, does it apply to your wife, children to your parents, parents to your children? Employee to your employer, employer to your employee. Does this apply that you're always to seek that which is good for one another, for all people? That you never... He says, see that no one repays another evil for evil. And this apply in these relationships. Keep going here. 1 Peter 2.13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. Does he say this submission is based on the worthiness of the leader of the ruler? He doesn't, does he? He goes on there, 1 Peter 2, 21 and 25. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. And go ahead and turn, you can keep your place in James, but turn to 1 Peter. Just look at these verses together. Our example in all of this. So we're talking about how our obedience to God in, in any relationship we're in, in any circumstances we find ourselves in, is not dependent on those circumstances or dependent on the other party and how they are treating us. And our example in this is Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 21. He says this, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. I mean, could Satan say to God about Jesus, he only obeyed you because everything was perfect in his life? Because he had it easy, like you think about Job 1 there, and Satan comes before God, and he says, of course he's serving you, because look, you put a hedge about him. Everything's going his way. His family, I mean, he's got a great family. He's got, I mean, he's, he's wealthy. Everything's going perfect for Job. Oh, of course he's going to serve you. We can't say that about Christ. Look at verse 22. He says, 
who committed who committed no sin or was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have turned, returned to the shepherd and guardian of your soul. So that's where our hope is, right? It's in Jesus Christ. It's in him who bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin. Children, since we talked, that was what I talked about last, and, uh, and parents, I mean, you, your patience, your kindness to your children isn't dependent upon how they are obeying and responding to you. Children, your attitude towards your parents is not dependent upon them being the perfect parents. It's based on your relationship to Jesus Christ. And he delivers us from, being, from having to respond in those sinful ways to another person when they are, when they are sinning against us to respond in a way that is godly, that is loving, that is kind, that is patient, that is Christ-like. So our obedience to God in, in any relationship and our circumstances is not dependent on other parties. And then our Or let me conclude this on this on this point actually before we go to the second one. And I alluded to this in, here in Peter. Our obedience to God in our relationships in our circumstances is dependent on our relationship with God, and it's namely a matter of: Are we trusting Him? Are we trusting Him? Okay, young people, think about. Help me here. The 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 nation of Israel. And God led them out of Egypt. They're going through the wilderness. Who did they complain against? Did they complain at all, you guys? Did the Israelites complain? You guys lost an hour of sleep, didn't you? <laughs> did the Israelites complain? What did they complain about? Not having water, not having... Um, I mean, these are big deals, right? Not had, then they wanted meat. They, they weren't just satisfied with manna. Who did they complain against, though? Did I read your lips right? Did you say God? Right. I mean, here Moses was the object of it, right? They're complaining against to Moses. To Mo- Moses, you, why have you brought us out? Why have you led us this way? And, and why God judged them for their complaining, for their grumbling. Why? Because ultimately they're complaining, as was said, to God about these things. They weren't trusting God It wasn't that they weren't trusting Moses. They weren't trusting God. So in these relationships, come back, husband, wife, parent, child, employee, employer, is your trust in your parents, in your child, in these relationships, or is your trust in God? If we're trusting God, we can trust him to, so to speak, override these relationships to where we can respond 
in a way, and we can have peace, we can be loving, we can be kind, we can uh, respond in a way that is God-honoring, Christ-like. Hebrews 13, 20 says, He will equip us. Now the God of peace who brought up, from, uh, brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, he will equip you in every good thing to do his will. He will equip you. In these rela- I'm not saying this is easy. I'm not saying these relationships are easy. I'm not saying that um, the husband, wife, the parent, child, employer, employee, I'm not saying that these relationships are easy. I'm not saying that there are not hard, hard things. But there is nothing that God will not and cannot equip us for to do his will. And his will is that we are like Christ in these relationships. And then our second point is this. Our disobedience to God in any of these categories, in any of these relationships or circumstances, is not the fault of our circumstances. It's not the fault of the other party or especially God who is sovereign over these relationships. So where does this disobedience come from? James, James chapter 4. He says this, James 4 verse 1. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? He's asking this very question, where does this come from? Where is this coming from? And I I know many times in my life I can sit back and go, that's easy. It's sitting right over there. You know, or it's I can name the person or I can name the circumstance. It's my job. You know, it's I don't have enough money. Whatever it could be, it's like I I can name it. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Let's keep reading. Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? It comes from within you. Can I get four volunteers this morning to come up? Four volunteers, that's asking a lot. Four, not just one, four. Four volunteers to come up. Come on, young people and others. Whoever, yeah, come on up, four people. Four volunteers, okay. I didn't write it. That one, what's in that one, Andrew, Andy? Dirt. Dirt. <laughs> oh, you get the good, what's that one? Flowers. 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 And what's that one there? That's water. That says water. This one is, does that say salt water, I think? Yeah. That one's salt water there. Now, these cups, we can say, represent us. What's in the cup represents what's in us. And here's a question. Um, when a cup is hit, For example, here's Andy, and we could say what hits the cup, that could be the trial, whatever trial it is in our life. That could be how a person is responding to us. That could be getting behind a tractor, slow tractor. That could be um, your parents being unreasonable. Um, It could be um, problems at work with a fellow employee or your employer being unreasonable. When When Andy's cup is hit... What's going to come out of it? Is water going to come out of Andy's cup? What's in the cup? It's going to be dirt, right? 
if his cup is it, what's going to come out of his? They're flowers. <laughs> this is kind of represents the good and the bad, the dirt. That's kind of bad. Sorry, Andy. <laughs> hey, good job. Good response. Flowers are going to come out of his cup. His mom, dad asked him to, hey, clean your room. And hey, yes, ma'am. And right to it. His cup gets hit. What's going to come out of his cup? Another good. Man, the kids are good here. The adults are good. Water. Water is good. Jan's cup's hit. What's going to come out of that? can't live off salt water, sorry. So, thank you, you could just put them on the piano there. So when we're hit, like these cups, when we're hit by the trials of our life, when we're hit by our wife, so to speak, hit by our husbands, when we're hit by our children, hit, hit by our parents, when we're hit by our employee, hit by our employer, what comes out that whether it's, it's something negative, it's an angry response, it's impatience, it's unkindness, or if it's a good response, love, obedience, kindness, that comes from where? That comes from inside of us. So James what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and you do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Verse 5, or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us, but he gives a great grace, a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 7, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Where does help come from in these situations, in these trials? Help comes as we turn to the Lord. Help doesn't come as long as we are passing the blame onto somebody else, something else. Or some situation. Help doesn't come there. If, you're, if children, if you're waiting for your parents to be perfect, you know how long you're going to be waiting? Wives, you, are you waiting till your husbands finally get it? How long are we going to be waiting? Husbands, for wives in any relationship, in any situation. As long as we are looking for something else to change, for us to change our behavior, we're not going to have help. And we're going down this path of acting like Israel who committed adultery against her God. But God is gracious and he says he gives greater grace. So humble yourself. Humble yourself and receive responsibility 
culpability for your actions and that no matter what the other person has done or is doing, no matter what circumstances, situations you find yourself in, take responsibility for your actions and attitude. Nobody is making you respond the way that you are responding. Nobody is making you respond negatively in the situation you find yourself in. That's coming from within, out of your own heart. And we can sit back and say, well, yeah, but I'm not as wrong as they are. So when they come to me, then I'll come to them. God doesn't tell us to wait. God doesn't say, well, if you have 1% wrong, then okay, you're all right to wait. And to hold your grudge over here until they come to you. And that's only going to come through humility where we go and even we see in a situation we have been wronged greatly. We're not going to be able to sit back and be and be justified in our sinful wrong responses to that situation, to that person. Not being forgiving, holding bitterness, being angry, being anxious. But if we humble ourselves, and here it comes, are we going to trust God in these situations? Are we going to trust God to do right and say, yes, this is hard because this person I really believe is not acting right or is doing wrong. But God, yes, I have been wrong. And God, I humble myself and I repent. God gives greater grace. And I just want to close in Ezekiel 18, verse 4, it says this. Ezekiel 18, verse 4. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins will die. And in this passage in here, he's talking about um, father-son, parent-child relationship. But here's the thing in, in this passage, in this verse, is that each person is responsible for their actions, for their sin. Ultimately, ultimately the, the, the parent is not responsible for the sins of their children. And children are not responsible for for the sins of their parents. And that goes for any other relationship, any other situation we find ourselves in. We're responsible for our actions, for our attitudes, for what we do. And we individually will give an account to God for those actions and attitudes. Each one of us will give an account to God. So, as James exhorts us to do, humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. God gives grace to the humble. God will meet and God will help us. And there could be testimony after testimony, I'm sure, of, of, from individuals here this morning of how God helped in circumstances, situations, relationships where people wronged you, but yet you trusted God, you gave it over to him, and God helped you.
God helped you to do right despite how the other person was treating you and acting towards you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that speaks so clearly and directly to us, uh, speaks to our hearts, Lord. Help us remember that's what you require. You don't require sacrifices and burnt offerings, Lord. You you require a broken and contrite spirit, Lord. Uh, you, you require our hearts. And God, I pray for help this morning. God, you know each situation, each circumstance, each difficult thing that's going on in each person's life uh, this morning, God. And Lord, I pray for each one of us to draw near to you. God, to humble ourselves, to receive your grace through your son, Jesus Christ, if we're not, if an individual's not saved. Lord, and for those of your, your children, that God, we would believe you. We would trust you, God, that we would not believe the lie that you're far away. Lord, that this situation's out of your control, that we can't do right until the other person changes or our circumstances changes, Lord. That's a lie. That's not the truth. Lord, help us. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.